This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries. Hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 169 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. The first thing we have to mention is uh, the noticeable difference at the beginning of our intro music. We are now proud members of the Podbelly Network. A uh, bunch of new shows on there, a bunch of uh, bigger shows on there. Go check them out. Too many to mention. There's over 25 shows on there, but uh, go check them out, podbelly.com. The other quick thing that we want to talk about at the beginning of the show is we've had people um, that said, you know, hey, they don't like the commercials in the show and all that. Unfortunately, that's just the life of, of podcasts. There's always going to be commercials and stuff if you get to a certain level. Um, you know, we, we use that money to do traveling and stuff like that on for these events. So uh, that's kind of a something we really can't get out of. We have obligations to our hosting company, but here's what we are going to start doing. Starting with this episode tonight, we're going to post all of our episodes on Patreon. Even if you're just a dollar a month, we're going to post every one of our episodes on there. 100% commercial free. Wow. No ads whatsoever. Anywhere at the beginning end. And, uh, the, and also, we're probably going to put it out a little bit earlier. Sometimes it might be a day earlier. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might be a couple of hours earlier. But we'll put it out earlier than we do on the feed. So as a Patreon supporter, you can actually get now ad-free shows, starting with this one. And as we start doing two shows a week, you'll get twice as much. Good. So I hope this helps. Yep. So now for as little as four bucks a month, or I'm sorry, four bucks a month. What about wrong with me? For a dollar a month, you can get ad-free episodes and four shorts. Mm-hmm. So not too bad. Yeah, not too bad. So, And you can go to patreon.com, uh, just look up Hillbilly Horror Stories, or you can go to our website, and there's Patreon links and stuff on there if you want to do that. All right. Well, I don't even know where to start. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been on. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, we've had episodes, but we pre-recorded those because we had our trips to go. We're going to talk a lot about our trips at the very end of the episode. That way, if people don't want to listen to it, they don't have to. We'll get right into the stories. So we're going to start off tonight by thanking all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you. Amen. Thank you guys for keeping us safe. Always praying for you. And we also wanted to make sure we point out, as we like to every week, that if you're having some situations you're struggling with life right now, Please do not be afraid to reach out to someone. You can reach out to us. You can reach out to anybody in our group. Our group is a a very um, easy to get along with group. They're there for your support. Absolutely. And if uh, you don't have friends or family that you feel like you can reach to, maybe you want to be a little more anonymous, go ahead and call the suicide hotline in the United States, 1-800-273-8255. If you're more of a texter, 741-741. All right, as far as this week's show, it's the Halloween season, 
and I wanted to try to think of a topic that we haven't touched on much. And I ran across a story about a car that was the inspiration for the movie Christine. Uh, that movie freaked me out. But let me say, how cool would that be if we had a wreck and our car would just fix itself like that? <laughs> Hello, no more insurance. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, but it wouldn't. The other cars wouldn't fix themselves. You still would have to have insurance. Oh, well, that's their problem. <laughs> <laughs> now, but we're going to get into this story. So I thought, you know, we're going to tell you the true story, or what we deem to be true. I guess true could be uh, <laughs> a matter of opinion, depending on the situation here when it comes to paranormal. So we're going to tell you the supposed story behind this car. And then we're going to get into a couple of cool facts about the movie. Okay. And then I've got some other haunted cars to tell you about. Because the only one we really touched on was James Dean's car. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I don't believe we've, we've had a couple of haunted roads and stuff. So we're going to get in all that. After that, we have approximately 747,000 reviews and stuff <laughs> since we haven't been on for a couple of weeks to get through. We'll go through them as quick as possible. And then at the end of the show... Like I said, we've got some stuff to tell you about our trip to Philly and Eastern State Penitentiary and Pennhurst School. Mm -hmm. It was so awesome. And we've got some cool stuff to tell you about upcoming live events because we've already set those up mm -hmm. for next year. Okay. Have I told you today I love you? You have. Good. I love you. I love you too. Thanks. Okay. So I like the idea of covering the story behind the movies since we haven't done one of those in a while. And the only car I remember covering is James Dean's car, like I said. I thought this would kill two birds with one stone. So I found a few other cars that might be haunted or even cursed that we're going to tell you about. Not as much detail as this first story, mm -hmm. but still pretty good stories. Now, since we mentioned, we will start with a car that kind of, I guess, was the inspiration behind the book and the movie, Christine. Now, in fairness, I didn't see any quotes from Stephen King saying that this was the inspiration, but... I saw several different people that claimed that it was, and it's also in his part of the country, so it makes it at least probable that this would have been the case. Yeah. So in the book and the movie, the car was a 1958 Plymouth Fury. Now, Stephen King said he chose that particular car because he wanted to use a what he deemed a forgotten car. The car in our story, though, tonight, the inspiration was a 1964 Dodge 330 Limited Edition, that was called the Golden Eagle. The story goes that the car was purchased to be a police car in an in Old Orchard Beach, which is in the state of Maine, which is where Stephen King lives and writes a lot of stories based on Maine. Mm -hmm. That's why I said earlier it kind of makes sense and it was probable. Yeah, you really said Maine like big time. Well, like, it's Maine. Maine. You know, Maine, Maine. Maine doesn't get a lot of publicity unless you're talking about Stephen King or lobsters. <laughs> So I wanted to make sure they got the credit they deserved. Oh, okay. So eventually this car was sold to an, an older gentleman uh, that was in the area, mainly because the car started to develop a creepy reputation. Some call it the most evil car in America, and you're going to find out why. Mainly because it was bought as a police car, like I said, and there were only three officers to ever drive that car. All three officers died in unexplainable murder-suicides. Oh. They brutally murdered their families <gasps> and then themselves. No, they didn't. That's not where the story stops, though. 
The death of two children are blamed on this car. Now, these deaths were eerily similar, even though they were 20 years apart. One of them was in the 1960s. One of them was in the 1980s. In one of the instances, the child was hit by the car and the child landed under the bumper of the Golden Eagle. So the car, the Golden Eagle didn't hit him, but when the kid got hit by a car, he landed right basically at the bumper Mm. of this car. Poor baby. In the other case, the child was hit by a car and he flung onto the hood of the Golden Eagle. So both of these children were hit by other cars, but they both landed right there by that car. Well, that's so weird that that car hadn't been in the same time, you know, place at two different times. Right. Oh, creepy. So both of the children died, unfortunately, before paramedics could even arrive at the scene. The car eventually became the everyday vehicle for Wendy Allen. Now, Wendy said that she and her family didn't experience the same kind of tragic results as the other owners before her. But that's not to say that she didn't have her share of issues, we'll say. Sometimes the car doors would swing open as they were driving down the highway. Ooh. Yeah, that could be a problem. (laughs) Wendy said that the car has killed 14 people. Whoa. Others say the number is much higher. Why, you say? Well, in the 80s and the 90s, a bunch of members of local churches got together and vandalized the car. That was a bad idea. Supposedly, the lead vandal from each one of the church were killed in horrific car accidents. Wait, did they, they did that because they thought the car was possessed? Right. Oh, okay. Right. There was two, two churches, two local churches. Yeah. So they, sent, they both sent a group of people out. But the head of both of those churches died in car crashes. Each was decapitated. <gasps> About 18 wheelers. Oh, Jesus, Pete. Now, some say that all 32 people that were involved in vandalizing the car died under mysterious circumstances. And by, say, mysterious circumstances or strange deaths, how about four of them died when they were struck by lightning? Well, that is a little bizarre. So you got decapitations by 18 wheelers. Oh, God. Four of them struck by lightning. Now, the last story about this actual car happened in 2007. This was the classic story of kids, you know, daring other kids to do something. Mm-hmm. You know? In this case, it was to touch the car. He did. Two weeks later, he burned down his house, killing his entire family, including the family dog. What in the world? I don't like this car no more. I will say that that is the story that's told, but I couldn't find anything that verified that the story was actually true, so it might just be a legend. My guess is that most of this that we're talking about is probably legend. I find it hard to believe. Some people said the car has killed 200 people. When you take into consideration that, you know, the police officers and all their families, you know, all that would be tied to it. Mm-hmm. And then you've had uh, the, all the church members... You know, and all that stuff. If you try to tie all that stuff to it, I mean, it's going to come up with a huge number. Like I said, Wendy Allen says it's 14. I'm assuming she's probably counting just the police officers. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how it works. What is a fact, though, is that another church came to the conclusion that the car had a demon living in it. And uh, so they stole it back in 2010. They dismantled the car and they parted it out to several different junkyards. Wendy took to the internet, and she told what was happened, and she was able to find most of the parts and get most of the parts back to the car. 
Why would she do that? It's her car. Well, I mean, here's the deal. So we'll, we'll get we'll get in a little bit more. You'll find out why she did that. Okay. But this church, by the way, well, while we're talking about it, they gave Wendy the name of the Sea Witch of Old Orchard Park. Oh. <laughs> and that's not nice. No, it's you not nice. People. Anyway, they claim that she used a card to cast death spells. And that's why so many people were dying. Wendy says that it's just a car that's been passed down and in her family for years, and people are ready to um, rush into things and, and and just put things that might have happened around the car and make it its fault. She said, look at her, her family, her friends, they're all fine. If the car was hell-bent on killing everyone, why aren't they all dead? Mm-hmm. I guess that's why they think she's a witch. Cause yeah, because it hasn't done anything done. to her. Yeah, but I can see that. But that's why she wanted it back. It was uh-huh. in the family for years, and she basically just thought most of it was hogwash. Mm-hmm. So. so let's talk a little bit about the actual movie. I want to I bring this up, though. And I don't have all the details right in front of me, but she's got another car that it's had like little buttons and like rhinestones and stuff put all over it, kind of like the car we saw in Gatlinburg. Yeah. And she lets people take their money and stuff, or take pictures and stuff with it for money, and the money goes to charity. No, well, that's so nice. She, you know, pretty cool. I probably should have researched that a little more. Yeah. But I read it and thought it was interesting. It didn't really apply, but now that we're talking about it, mm-hmm. you know, so well, that's does, nice that she does that. Yeah, it's got like thousands of rhinestones. So the oh, whole car very is just cool. like covered with little. Nice. Or something, so. All right. So let's talk a little bit about the actual movie. Stephen King's popularity in 1983 was extremely high after hits such as Carrie, Salem's Lot, Creepshow, Cujo, and The Dead Zone. He did all that from like 76 to 83. Mm-hmm. a lot of good hit movies there. His popularity was so high at the time that they started production on Christine before the book even came out. They already knew it was going to be a hit. Yeah. Well, it was a good good movie. So King decided to use a 58 Plymouth, like we said earlier, because, you know, but filming was going to need several of these cars, so they placed ads in newspapers all across the country. There's some discrepancies as to how many of the cars they actually found and, and acquired, but it said between 23 and 26 were the amount of cars that were actually used. They only used 16 in the movie, and the rest were used for parts. Interestingly enough, Plymouth Furies weren't the only cars bought. You would think it would be, but it wasn't. They also bought some Savoys and some Belvedere's. They painted them uh, to look just like the the cars, and they would make any changes they need accordingly to make them look like Furies to use throughout the movie. I was going to say, were they at least close? Yeah, yeah, they're close. So do you know who the first choice to play Arnie in the movie was? No. Kevin Bacon. Really? He but, just didn't want to do it? Well, he had another little movie that he kind of wanted to do instead, uh, something called Footloose. Footloose? Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. So, who knows? Never heard of it. Anyways, the, <laughs> <laughs> the next choice to play Arnie was Scott Bayo, And uh, for, for the choice of Lee, his girlfriend in the movie, they wanted Brooke Shields. But John Carpenter, who directed this movie, decided that... He thought it would work better with lesser-known actors, and I'm sure he probably thought it would be cheaper, too, because the movie had a budget. So I know. I can't even imagine those other guys playing Arnie no, at all. I no. mean, he, this guy was, like, perfect. Arnie was perfect, yeah, because he was kind of the kind of dorky, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I can't imagine 
Yeah. Kevin Bacon or Scott Bale being dorky. Yeah. So, anyway, so, oh, I want to talk about John Carpenter real quick. Mm-hmm. So, the scenery in Christine might look a little bit familiar, and it's because he shot most of the movie in the same California neighborhood that he filmed Halloween in just five years earlier. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. John Carpenter also refused to go to the premiere because he said whenever he went to premieres, something bad always happened. So it was a superstition thing. He didn't go. The cars. They're kind of the star of the movie. And if you remember back, the very beginning scene, it showed Christine on the Detroit assembly line. It's easy to spot Christine because it was the only Red Fury mm-hmm. on the line there. They shot this scene first. Because they had to paint all the other cars red to be doubles afterwards. Oh, so yeah, they, if they needed they, the time. Yeah, I guess. so they painted them all black except for the red one. And then after it was done, they shot that scene first and they painted all the other ones red so <laughs> they would all match up. Plus, that scene wasn't in the book either. When in, uh, in the actual book, they never talked about the assembly line or any of that stuff. Mm. Which, so in the movie, whenever Christine was about to do something bad, its windows would turn black. That was cool for the viewers, but it was a pain in the ass for the stunt drivers. Oh, I bet. <laughs> so there was no remote controls used on these cars. They had actual stunt drivers for, for basically everything. So these scenes were shot at night, which made it even more difficult. So they had a hard time seeing through the black painted windshields. It had one little small patch on there that had tint over top of it to see through, and they didn't have any side vision or rear vision at all in these cars. There were a few scenes where they used, uh, they, they kind of used cables to pull the car forward. And at one point, even in some scenes, had a bulldozer push the car. But as far as the actual driving scenes, that was really being driven. Um, no remote control. Pretty cool. Yeah. Or scary if you're the, if you're the driver. Yeah. For so real. Christine was the highest paid actor in the film as well. The car? Yep. Because 15% of the budget of the entire movie were spent on buying all those Furies and Belvedere's and Savoy's. There was one instance in, when the crew actually thought that the car was possessed because they there had, I guess, because this one particular Christine that they were using was uh, a manual mm-hmm. transmission, mm-hmm. and somebody had left it in gear, and when the car got started up, it jumped forward and ran over and, and destroyed a bunch of the set. <gasps> but that was more negligence, I think, than anything else. Who in the world would do that? Somebody not paying attention. Oh, my goodness. So two of my favorite scenes are when one was when Christine was on fire and the other was after it was beat to hell and fixed itself. Yeah, like rolling down the street on fire. That was really cool. So the fire special effect was real fire, by the way. They covered the entire car in rubber cement and set it on fire just to achieve that effect. Now, the special effects for the other scene was a little more complex. Some of the cars were doctored up with a special plastic because when it crumpled or uh, the dent popped uh, out, yeah. uh-huh. it actually looked more like metal than actual metal did. <laughs> <laughs> so they put these hydraulic pumps and stuff on the inside to push the metal out. The pumps were attached to cable, and the cables were um, connected to the car's body, and when it compressed, they would suck the car's panels inward. So then they reversed the film to make it look like it was fixing itself rather than... Oh, dude, how smart. Yeah. So when the movie was complete, there were only three cars left that were in mint condition. These cars were sold to uh, uh, 
used well they they didn't sell them first they used them to promote the movie so they took them out on tour but then they sold them to private collectors oh okay damn ninja and you're far enough away where i can't nudge you with my foot He's tired. Also, for whatever reason, the sound of Christine in the movie, the engine revving and all that stuff, it was not the sound of a Plymouth Fury. They used a 1970 Mustang 428 SCJ for the sound of Christine because they thought it sounded better. Now, how much did people love these cars? In 2004, one of the actual cars from the movie sold for $167,000. No way. Now, the only way I'd pay that much for that car is if it, like you did in the movie, <laughs> it would fix itself if it got broke. There was another one, I think, about three years later, it sold for 190 some thousand dollars. Oh, my gosh. But here's the thing with these cars. Like, they came from the movie. That's what they cost so much. If you uh-huh. that a, a Plymouth Fury, same year, uh-huh. in mint condition, that wasn't in the movie, sells for about 48000 Really? So that's how much being in that movie makes a difference there's even uh, plymouth fury christine fan clubs out there for people who have duplicate versions and the carlisle chrysler nationals gives out an award every year to the best lookalike oh cool well that's fun so let's go ahead and uh and do some announcements and then we'll tell you about some other haunted cars wanted to give a big thank you to dina marie from twisted philly and jeremy from podcast we listen to and both of them from educating jeremy for putting us up in their house and dealing with our silly asses for about four days <laughs> and chauffeuring us all over the, the city of Philadelphia and showing us so much cool stuff. Man, did they ever. It was such a treat, and Dina knows her shit. That's all I got to say. We got to see a private tour. We get to walk around by ourselves with Dina on the campus of uh, Pennhurst School, mm-hmm. which nobody gets to do. Yep. So that's, that's the kind of pool she's got in that city. Then... We went to um, Eastern State Penitentiary that night and went through Terror Behind the Walls, which is supposed to be the number one haunted attraction. I mean, how many people get to do both of those in the same day? I know. It was amazing. That haunted house was crazy amazing. And sandwiched between that, we got to go to the infamous Laurel Hill Cemetery, one of the coolest cemeteries I've ever been in my entire life. And we got to go to the art museum and see the Rocky statue and the... Uh, museum steps that Rocky ran up during the movie. I know. Whoa. All that in one day. I know. And believe me, we felt it at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of walking. We did a lot of walking, but it, Philly is a beautiful place, and it, we just had a blast for sure. Okay, so iTunes reviews. I'm going to breeze through these because there's so many, so I apologize if it, you don't feel like you got the proper recognition, but there's literally a, a boatload here. G. Cheshire 007, Lib Meek. Cap 4205, McLaurie 9808, Profit, Profit, Banglang 123, Tabby Stone, Angie in Ohio, M. Bell 8516, which is Michelle, Cops Paranormal, The Ferganator, Oregon Trailer, Key Harler, Geo Chris, Sean Smack, Sheila P. Sean's Girl, Football Baseball Mama, Amy Jeeps, Nowhere, Kitty in 666, A. Gary, A. Gary, sorry, Kimmy Smith 2011, Beef 92201, Amanda 1623, Florida, ND 104, Wright Brothers Landscape, Dionia, 
are Dionia, Alicia Maynard, and Bear Cack. And then we've got Farm Dog 9551, Laura Beller. There are no nicknames available. Michelle. Michelle something. G, I think. And then uh, Elliot Ford in the UK. I forgot him twice on the last one. Because when if you guys get give us a review from another country, make sure you send us a message because we only see the US ones. Yeah. What's up, Elliot? <laughs> And then uh, what's what's this Brandy Elaine? Oh, uh, uh, oh yeah, Brandy Elaine. That was our last one for our iTunes. Man, you guys rock! Thank you so much. Yep, do the patrons patrons real quick, and then okay. We will- and thank you guys so much for those reviews. Honestly, they mean the world to us. Um, our patreons are Christopher Ellis, Greg Alder, Crystal Wilk. Alicia, Care A, David Cube, Sherry D. Armand, Juliet Neff, and Jessica Powell. Thank you guys so much for your support. It means the world to us. And woohoo! Man, love it. Okay, so we're going to tell you some more haunted cars. And then at the end of it, uh, we're going to basically tell you about this group of upcoming shows uh, as far as live events what we're going to add to the live events and the ones we've already got set up and who's coming so you can stick around to the end if you want to hear that so we won't spend as much time on each of these cars but they're pretty well known so i thought it was cool to get to them so the first one may be more of a situation which we'll talk about later also (laughs) uh, (laughs) than it is about the car okay so well, since we're on it. Oh, stop. Since we're on it. So we go to Audio Boom, who actually is the our hosting company, who um, they're the ones who gets us our ads and that kind of thing. So they're stationed in New York. We got to go to New York uh, on John Lennon's birthday and spent yes. some time there. And we got to go to Audio Boom st- Studios. And, man. So Number we, one, we they are so in, nice. We walk in, and there's a guy standing there. And I'll let Tracy tell you what happened at that point. So we walk in and there's a guy standing there and I'm like, oh my God, I think I know him. Like, not personally, but I think I know you. And I just kept looking at him and I'm like, hey, I think I know you. And he just kind of looked at me, but I didn't want to say what I thought because what if I was wrong? (laughs) And he said, where do you know me from? (laughs) And I just stood there like a big dork. (laughs) And he said, "Um, Jersey Shore. I'm like, oh, my God. It was situation. <laughs> and he was so extra nice. He shook my hand and everything. It was so cool. And Snooki was there, too. Her and um, Ronnie and Ronnie were doing a recording in their really cool studio that they have there now. So I was like, it was just the weirdest thing seeing him stand there. I'm like, what in the world? Yeah, Ronnie and, and Snooki actually have a show on Audio Boom, mm-hmm. and, and that's why they were there. And, and uh, Mike was... Um, they're kind of being a special guest. Yeah, day, so. yeah. It was really cool. That's <laughs> so, fangirling. All right, so let's get back to the story. <laughs> this first one, like I said, this this is more of a situation than a car, but you'll see how it ties in. 
we co- I think we covered this one in our pa- one of our Patreon episodes, but I'm not I can't remember. I remember reading the story, but if if so, it's a short it's a short one. So this story takes place on December 11th of 2002, and it's in Great Britain on the A3 Highway. Now this is one of the roads uh, in in Great Britain that has a reputation for several accidents. So it wouldn't, this wouldn't be uncommon. On this particular night, though. It wasn't considered odd that several calls came in to the police department reporting that a car went off the road uh, right there on the side, went off the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll add the reports were more of not a car, but seeing headlights go off because oh. it was dark. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think it was I think it was really uh, foggy in this part uh, of Lent, uh, of England at the time this happened. So people see the lights, and they could tell that it went off the road. Yeah. So a bunch of them called the police department. Police rushed out to the accident site, but there was no car found anywhere near where people say they, they went over. They thought this was kind of odd, since there were so many calls. Yeah. So they just kept looking. What they stumbled on, though, was a wreck. It was a maroon Astra. It was nose down in a ditch. The problem, though, this wasn't a recent wreck. This wreck had been grown over with weeds and everything else. On further inspection, they found a decomposing body inside. Oh, Lord. The car belonged to a man who had been disappeared five months earlier. The car had ran off the road and ended up in the ravine. There was no sign of another vehicle. uh, No sign of another vehicle had been involved in the accident, so it was a single car accident. So... Was this the ghost of the car? I can't believe. I mean, I know it's over a ravine, but you think somehow somebody would see that. I don't know. But somehow or another, the people saw the lights now. So, I mean, the question was, was was it the ghost of the person? Was it the car? What, you know? Yeah. It was just amazing. I'd be like, dude, I'm down here. I can't believe I have to, you know, read. uh, What's that word I'm trying to say? Recreate the wreck? Yeah. So you finally would find me down over this hill. This next story was in Cape Town, South Africa. There was, uh, this goes back to 2004, and it was documented by News 24 Television in South Africa. It was witnessed by two police officers and seven other people. So here's what happened. It was a Renault, uh, the car of Renault, and it was parked going down a hill. So picture this. It's going down a hill. It's got the emergency brake on mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. It started with no key in the ignition. The car jumped backwards, not once, but twice, uphill, and it revved its engine. Oh, a show off. <laughs> the technical director of Renault in Cape Town suggested that the owner might be drunk. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the owner wasn't in the car. Oh, I was going to say, wait, so I didn't, didn't think matter. he was in there. And there were seven people who saw it, including two police officers. So later, Renault blamed it on a rusty starter cable, which they said could have caused the car to short circuit mm-hmm. and start on its own. What they couldn't explain, though, was how the car's engine revved up as if someone had their foot on it. On the gas, yeah. yeah and how it jumped backwards. Oh, yeah, how did it twice. get in, yeah, how did it get in gear right. to do that? So all that was... The question, and apparently none of nobody could answer it, huh? Well, it's something interesting to see. Yeah, on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you know about World War One? Well, I know you're going to say I was there, but I wasn't. 
I hate no, to I, I was going to say that I thought you were like five or six at that time. So I was going to give you a pass. Yeah, not good enough. <laughs> I don't know that much. I'm sure it was horrible. Yeah, I think that goes without saying. <laughs> so Thank was, you all for your service that did that. It was basically started when Archduke Franz Ferdinand and his wife were killed in uh, Sarajevo on June 28th, 1914. One day before my birthday. See, I told you. It was close. You were five or six at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was the heir to the throne in, in what was then Austria-Hungary. And this shooting and death basically is what jump-started World War One. It kind of triggered the whole thing. So what happened that day was a strange turn of events, really, when you think about it. So Franz Ferdinand had been ambushed a little bit earlier in the day. An assassination was attempted, but he escaped. Several others, though, got wounded, and um, he and his wife were actually on their way to the hospital to visit the people who were hurt earlier in that day when he was trying to be assassinated and uh, kind of give support to the, the people that were in the hospital. All right. So they're in this open-air limo that he had. It was a graph and stiff limo is what the brand of it was. And when I say open air, kind of think like a convertible just without a top anytime. Like there was never a top on it. Mm -hmm. So the car stalls. And at that time, one of the men who tried to assassinate him earlier just happens to walk out of a cafe. And you talk about the term, the true definition of sitting duck. So this guy walks out of the cafe. He's like, I'll be damned. And there's the guy stalled right there that he was trying to assassinate. So he goes over and he shoots Ferdinand and his wife in the head and the throat, killing them both. In the next 12 years, that car was owned by 15 different people. It was involved in six accidents and 13 deaths. That's even not, or that's, I guess I should say that's not even taken into consideration the people the, the 17 million people by the way that were killed in world war one I, I guess since that they were in that car that started Dude, this whole thing. it was 17 million people yes oh my gosh so you could kind of throw that all in there too if you wanted to but just counting the car what the car actually touched the first uh the first owner that had the car after the archduke was an austrian general by the name of potiak did you say arch dude Duke. Oh. <laughs> well, they caught that guy, right? They killed him, too. I mean, he did it right in the open. Well, that's irrelevant. Well, I'm nuh-uh. sure they did, but it's irrelevant to the story. <laughs> I know. What's his Ferdinand must have been like? Damn, dude. Give me a break. Well, I don't think he was saying much of nothing. Aww. Even if he tried, he was shot in the throat, so he couldn't Aww. even get it out. Anyways, Austrian general by the name of Poti Oric was the, uh, the gentleman who owned it right after him. Potic Org. He took a trip through Vienna and went insane on the trip in that car. Then the governor of Yugoslavia owned it next. He ditched it after he had four accidents, one of which cost him his one of his arms. He sold it to a friend of his who was a surgeon. <laughs> hey, sew my arm back on and yeah. I'll give you this car. It's probably the one who took his arm off. <laughs> so he died six months later in the car accident in that car. Get out of here. The surgeon did? Yeah, batter up. So the next owner was a captain in the German army. He swerved to avoid two pedestrians and still hit them, and then all three of them ended up getting killed in an accident. 
Oh, my gosh. How is this car surviving all these wrecks? I don't know. Well, they built cars that last back then. So car accidents and suicides by owners claim more um, lives all the way up to 1926 when it was sent to a World War I museum in Vienna. How about that? That's nuts. So let's move on to the last car. Let's see if you can guess who this last car of the night that we're going to talk about belonged to. Last one. So play along at home. Damn, Ninja. You're going to make people think we're not professional. All right. We're not professional, are we? It was a navy blue 1961 Lincoln 74, a convertible. Elvis. It had $200,000 worth of modifications, but none of them was bulletproof. But in this case, it wouldn't have mattered because it was a convertible. J.F. Kennedy. Exactly. Hey, look at me! <laughs> there were some tops for the car, but they were all they all made the inside of the car so hot. Oh, I'm sure. Um, and then they weren't bulletproof, so it didn't matter. It didn't offer any real protection, even if it was on. On November 22nd, 1963, John F. Kennedy was shot and killed. What happened to the car after this event, though? He was kept in service for another eight years after Kennedy's death. Now, see, I don't know why anybody would want to ride in that car or anything like that after that. That's just terrible. They did add some other safety measures and reinforcements from a group named Hess and Eisenhardt. Some of this was titanium and armor plating, bulletproof glass, and a permanent bulletproof roof. It was then painted black uh, by command of Lyndon Johnson, who was president Mm -hmm. after Kennedy. My question is, it had $200,000 worth of modifications originally, right? That's a shit ton of money for back in the 60s. Well, uh, for any time. So $200,000, none of it was bulletproof, and you couldn't use the top because it got too hot. They couldn't put air conditioning in it? $200,000 you spent on a car for the President of the United States and you couldn't put air conditioner in it? I guess if well... I mean, they had air conditioning in 63, I think. Did they? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, but... Even if they didn't, I'm sure they could have found a way to rig it on the president's car if they were just yeah, spending that kind of money. Yeah, they could have. I mean, my God, it's Texas. No, yeah, where it's really hot all the day on time. All the time. So anyways, technically, Kennedy died from a lack of air conditioning, when you think about it. <laughs> I'm just saying. If he had air conditioning, he would have had a roof, and he probably wouldn't have been shot. So they replaced, they replaced that limo in 1967, but they kept the car to use for less important duties than obviously riding the president around. It was put in the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan in 1978, and it said that the car is haunted because there is a uh, man, apparition, so to speak, that's dressed in all gray that can be seen standing next to the car, usually in late November. And it's still actually in the museum today. So if you could go check it out. I know Heidi and her husband said so they go up there all the time to mm-hmm. the museum. So Yeah. I think I just don't understand how anybody could want to ride in that thing or anything after that horrific thing that happened to him. It's awful. Yeah. Hope they clean the seats. I'm sure they did. All right, so let's talk. That's that's what we got. That's the last of the story I got. So let's take a few seconds and let's talk about next year's live events. We enjoyed the live events we did. We especially mm-hmm. enjoyed like Atchison, where they the 
the whole town came together and, oh, and put did together. They, ever. they rolled out the red carpet for us. And we thought that was cool that it was a destination that was a haunted town. Mm-hmm. So we thought, and Point Pleasant was oh my absolutely phenomenal. Man, we went to like West Virginia like what, five times this <laughs> we, year? We, we went a lot. And if we didn't go to it, we went through it. I know, it was great. We were we were just talking earlier about how oh my gosh this year has flown by but we have been on the road and oh my goodness we have had a blast we have had so much fun meeting everybody and it's just been amazing. Now what I learned in the West Virginia situation was we scheduled that at American Legion mm-hmm. and that place is nice. You know it was very nice and I talked to uh, the young lady Miranda who who runs the place the manager and we were talking about the fact that so many of these organizations veterans organizations whether it's a AMVETS or a VFW or American Legion they're hard to even stay afloat because that's so sad. there's just not as many members as there used to yeah. be there's not the money coming in and it's tough and and when you go inside one of these places and you see for some of these veterans mm-hmm. They want to be with people that's their own kind. They want to be around other veterans. They want to be able to talk about these things. Yeah. And, you know, it, you realize that, one, I mean, just from, a, just from a logistical standpoint, the money that they charge to rent these places is less than most venues. They do have alcohol available at every one of them. Some mm-hmm. of them have food available. Some of them are really nice, and they all seat over 100 people. I mean, they all have halls that w- will have 125 to 200 people in some cases. And, you know, it's bigger than any place else we can get for cheaper money. And we're helping out people who desperately need this money as far as mm-hmm. organizations. Yes. So we decided that this year the, the live event coming up in 2020 will be called the Veterans Tour. And we're going to do almost every one of them at a Veterans organization yeah whether it be like we're going back to point pleasant mm-hmm. so that's the first one we'll talk about that show we're not sure exactly everybody that's going to be there but uh, um justin rimmel from mysterious circumstances will be there with us a lot of the shows we're going to do this year are going to have because they are bigger venues mm-hmm. we're going to have four podcasts involved with a bunch of these yeah which the only one we did last year was houston like that so you're going to get more because we're going to have extra podcasts on some of these shows. Mm-hmm. The other shows that we got lined up, because I like the idea of the Atchison thing and the Point Pleasant thing, is we're going to go to Savannah, Georgia. Yes. I'm That's excited. That's going to be cool. I know that Diane from History Goes Bump will be at that location. Mm-hmm. We're also going to Gettysburg. Nice. Uh, I know that Dina Marie from Twisted Philly is going to be a part of that one, and we're waiting to see who else. Um, possibly Justin from Mysterious Circumstances. I know he's expressed interest in going to that one. We are going to Charleston, South Carolina. Now, the funny thing about this one, we're going to Charleston on a Friday night and Savannah the very next night, back-to-back, because they're only about two and a half hours from each other. And these will be two completely different shows. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to do both shows, they'll get two different ones, because mm-hmm. the uh savannah show like i said we'll have diane from history goes bump and we'll probably get two other shows involved there the charleston show is going to be us and mike brown from pleasing terrors nice we miss mike be glad to see him again so that'll be cool we're also going to do louisville again we always do louisville to start off the every april is when we do louisville Mm -hmm. 
and that's the starts off the uh, the whole year for us. And I know Diane from History Goes Bump will be a part of that. And then we've got a couple other ones. That'll be one of the shows that has four people or four podcasts involved. So, as like I said, we're really, we got the places nailed down and we got the venues nailed down. Uh, now it's just a matter of seeing who's going to be involved in, in all the shows. But, you know, we're going to try to get a bunch of them. We're doing Chicago this year. Uh, Chicago will have us, History, uh, History Goes Bump. It's going to be us. It's Oprah. going to be his time. Huh? Oprah. Oprah. Oprah will not be there. <laughs> we might go get her boyfriend. What was his name? Stedman. Yeah. Studman. So, but no, uh, Chicago is going to be us, Blurry Photos, and Hysteria 51. Yes. So we tried to actually make that happen this year, but it, it we couldn't get all the details worked out. Uh, next year, that's happening. And you know what the best part is? Is that we get to see all of you wonderful people, and that's the highlight of our life, is coming to these shows to meet you guys. Because every one of you are so awesome. I mean, seriously awesome. And it's just like a extended family for us, so we always look so excited for that. We do. So, I mean, this coming year, think about this. We have Indianapolis. That'll be us, Justin Rimmel, and... Um, uh, Bro Ohio. Bro Ohio. That's always going to be the group. Chris Brohow will be with us on a couple episodes. I'm just waiting on them to get back with the ones that, mm-hmm. that they want to do. Uh, but, I mean, so we got Indy, Chicago, Louisville, Gettysburg, Savannah, uh, Charleston. We're doing Bobby Mackey's to end the year. That one's going to be on a Sunday again. And it'll be us and the and Gatekeeper Paranormal. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my goodness, what a lineup. I know, isn't it great? So, and that like Diane's working on uh, from History Goes Bump, she's actually working on some stuff to try to get some tours lined up for Savannah so we can make that it like a weekend would be deal. Amazing, that would be so amazing. So, yeah, I mean, it's do you man, know what I know? I know we're very blessed, we are very blessed. I know we are so blessed, we just love you guys so much. And so, so you, you might remember on the last episode, um. I kind of mentioned that we were going to be doing this full-time, or at least I was. Small change. <laughs> so I did turn in my notice at work, and then um, my the owner of the company and myself worked out a schedule that was more flexible for doing what we do. So now instead of working 70 hours a week, I will still be working 40 hours a week, which that seems like, hey, that's still a full-time job. It is, but it's half of what I was working. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I'm off on weekends now. Nice. Which that never happened before. I always had to work six days a week. So now I'm off on weekends, working 40 hours. I'll get off at around 5.30 every night instead of 7.30, 8 o'clock. So, yeah, it's it's. Um, I'm blessed that I've, I've got an owner who, who saw value in keeping me on board. So now I still have that kind of income. And where does that help you guys out? Well, remember I said that we weren't going to be able to take some of these longer trips because financially we probably wouldn't going to be able to do it. Well, as soon as I got that worked out, guess what? We do Gettysburg, which is nine mm-hmm. hours away from mm-hmm. us. We're doing uh, Charleston and, and uh, Savannah, which are nine hours away from us. So that did change with what it being able to, that change was afforded us the ability to be able to go a little further out and hit some places. So that's what changed on on that. So there we go. That's pretty much all we got for you this week. It was a lot to get through, and uh, hope you guys enjoy. I guess uh, Halloween is coming up. We will have our Halloween episode out on the 31st. I'll put it out at probably 6 a.m. that morning. Mm -hmm. We will start the 30th. We are still, regardless of the uh, 
uh, going to work thing, we're still going to do two episodes a week. I've got the time oh, yeah. now to do that. That will start on the 30th, and it's already awesome because uh, Craig Nairing and Fox Valley Ghost Hunters will be our first interview. They talked about so much cool stuff, so much cool stuff uh, on there. And, and I pinned them down, asked them questions about orbs. Do you believe? Do you not believe? We talked about some of their scariest investigations. Uh, Craig, y'all might remember, had been on our episode of uh, Summer Winds Mansion. He wrote a couple books on mm-hmm. Haunted Wisconsin. But they've got a TV show that they're going to be appearing in uh, coming on Amazon Prime this year about haunted towns. And uh, they did some up in Wisconsin. So it's a really yeah. good episode. And Then yeah. we have our show in Bardstown. That's the last live one. Yeah, that one is, is more of a private event, but they've told me they've opened it up. So if anybody wants to come to Bardstown, Kentucky at Old Talbot Tavern, remember we did a story about that. Uh, there are no rooms available, but you can come hang out. We're going to tell uh, some stories. It's free to get into. Mm-hmm. It is 18 and older. Uh, but what they do is, is awesome. They've been doing this for years. It was the first live show we ever did. That's what kicked off us ever doing this. They've asked us to come back. Um, we couldn't make it last year because we already had something set up. But this year we told them we were more than happy to. And uh you know they do a free event so obviously we're not charging them anything it's our way of giving back to them because we would have never done live shows had they not asked us to to begin with so but bardstown kentucky old talbot tavern uh this coming saturday what is that the 25th i believe whatever this saturday is last saturday before Halloween. uh get up there about seven o'clock we're going to do a live show they'll tell you the history of the talbot and then they do they do a walk around uh, like a little mini ghost tour. Yeah, of that's the really, area. that place is cool. Yeah, they walk around the area. They're going to walk around this old cemetery that's cool as hell. Uh, that's right there behind the Jailer's Inn. The Jailer's Inn they used to do uh, was the old jail for a long time. And, and uh, like I said, you can go back and listen to our episode. We covered the Jailer's Inn and Old Talbot Tavern and the same one. Uh, but you guys are more than welcome to come. They said invite anybody who wants to come. So come on out and hang with us and have some fun. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you so much for hanging with us, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great week, guys. We love you.